Hello, welcome to the Dispatch Podcast Week in Review. I am Paul Cross, and I am once again joined by Felicity McNeil, PSM Chair of Better Access Australia. Hi, Felicity. Hi, Paul. Happy first day of spring. Oh, yes, first of September. Interesting morning. We've seen well, today's the official introduction of the first tranche of medicines in, impacted by the doubling of dispense maximum quantities from 30 to 60 days. I know. There's a massive queue outside my GP <laughs> with everyone going, please give me a new script with hope, a new code. Yeah, I hope not because they need to go back to their doctors first. Yes. But, but that was my point. <laughs> the Pharmacy Guild has issued a very interesting statement today, basically putting their campaign against the change on hold. Yeah. And saying that a new community pharmacy agreement, the eighth iteration, will commence on 1 March next year. So A month before the second tranche. Yeah, so smells like a deal. Oh, boy, does it smell like a deal. Um, I've got to say it's, it's sad to see that in order to actually have a robust and honest conversation about the future of a public health system, you have to promise not to talk about it. Um, but I guess – that's also why we have non-disclosure agreements and inner sanctums and all these various processes underway. But yes, you can only assume that an organisation with the strong tradition of both policy and program development like the Guild, um, that they've actually secured some fairly strong reforms um, to actually be willing to set aside everything else that they've done in the last six months. Yes, well, we kind of have a right to know, I think, oh, yes, given, given it's a, yeah. a public health system. But I think we need to now take a step back and think about the wider implications of any deal. And there may not be any detail in that deal, but there may be some high-level principles to guide a negotiation. But the history shows that, well, over the next – seven months, six, seven months, everyone with a, a stake in the PBS, that is the industry, the wholesalers, patients are going to be brought to the table and asked to give some feedback or in the case of industry, probably asked to give some money. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess it's a really interesting point for me because, as you know, at Better Access Australia, we have raised concerns about 60-day dispensing Again, completely support cheaper medicines, but the rushed rollout, the concerns about hours of opening, small business impacts, uh, dose administration aid costs, etc. Now, I'm, I'm curious, and I hope the Guild will clarify for the community, whether when you say that there'll be no more public communications, no campaigns, does that mean my local pharmacy has committed to stay open? Uh, or what, what's going on there? I think we really do need to know how this is being implemented and like you said what what commitment did you get because if I'm a small business and I've had 20% of my revenue taken away if you're telling me to be quiet I'd, I'd want you to I'd want to know you've secured something fairly significant with a high degree of confidence that you know the pharmacists that are coming up here next week can actually feel comfortable that the parliament's going to have something to support Yes, it'd be interesting to see what the coalition and the senators that supported the disallowance think about this. But yeah, it probably almost certainly reflects some kind of outcome has been pre-agreed to, and 
I, I have no issue with that. Pharmacies impacted by this change have to ha- have to get consideration for, for the impact. That's a fundamental principle of those things. Wholesalers have already received that. Mm-hmm. So the individual pharmacists have a right to that. The question is where they get it from. Now, mm-hmm. history shows that the industry will probably be brought to the table. We saw earlier this week the, the report of the chemotherapy review, which was a template for savings. I mean, they basically said that you could cut the cost of chemo by 20%, by almost 20%, just by changing the basis on which you pay for it. Well, the industry will recall that every reform to the efficient funding of chemotherapy since 2006 has been negotiated as part of a community pharmacy agreement. The irony that the group that represents 5,800 community pharmacists who do Section 85 (laughs) are negotiating for a handful of hospital pharmacists and compounders, their remuneration leading into the future. Well, I'd take that one as a given, wouldn't you? Well, and unfortunately what it means probably – is that we'll then see a group of stakeholders go into a room, lock the door and have a discussion with government that will impact the public health system and then, you know, like Moses with the Ten Commandments, we'll be told what's good for us. Oh, yeah. And I just don't think it's any way to develop policy. I don't know how many times we have to see bad outcomes from those sorts of processes before people start to stand up to it a little bit? Yeah, the use and abuse of patients is really quite extraordinary in this sector and I know that there's a number of conferences and meetings um, both here in Canberra next week and and, uh, around the country. Can I remind you that you all come to us when you need something and then you shut the door and let one or two token people in to show that you really care about patients? And if you're doing deals and if you're doing this, bring us in. Don't don't throw us something at the end and say, now can you please help us? And Well, in fact, I think – It's I, a I, hidden I, health system. I, I think we've got it the wrong, row, the, the wrong way around. Because the system has increasingly become about efficiencies, quote-unquote, price cuts, mm. patients aren't even involved in those discussions. So in a system that's really focused on what it pays, it's inevitable that – the policy discussion is going to become about how the government can get more for less. And the policy discussion should start with patients first about what they want from the system because ultimately that's who it is designed to serve. Would you look at how groups had to fight to have the National Diabetes Strategy honoured when the department secretly announced a tender? I know they put it on tender, but no one knew it was coming. And patient groups and including Better Access Australia, had to fight really hard and say, hang on, under the strategy, you clearly say you have to consult with us about anything that's relating to the future of access and services. And they were dragged kicking and screaming to that, gave us two weeks to all put in submissions. 4,000 people in two weeks managed to find the time to fill in that crazy survey. What did you say? 57 written submissions and the tender's been delayed because – Heaven forbid the community stood up and said, could you let us talk about our own health system, please? It has to stop being a hidden health system. Australia doesn't have a public health system. It has a, it doesn't have universal health. It has a combined public health, public-private health system, but it's not. It's a hidden health system, particularly when it comes to this area of health. Yeah, and look, let's look at it. So we've got the HCPA negotiation. We've got the HTA review as that careers off the train tracks. We've got 
the chemotherapy review report, which was delivered to the government in January and now mm. it's appeared at the end of August. Yeah. If these processes going on, and I think it would be very optimistic to think there isn't some interconnection there, there's a connection between them, that ultimately they'll all sort of coalesce around next year's budget, I suspect. Absolutely. And then you and I were talking yesterday about the international HTA collaboration. We, we get every, every two months we get this little updated statement from NICE in the UK and they just release a little, little, another little fragment of information. The one, the one we got yesterday was, oh, well, we do have an ongoing work project and together combined we serve 134 million people and so we, we want to work towards joint HTA outcomes. Yeah, it's it's actually quite terrifying and, and I respect the industry a lot when they say we enter your markets and we supply based on what we think the terms of trade are in your country and the quality and the veracity of your your confidentiality provisions in contracts. You read those things and say, where is this all going? The fact that this was negotiated for two years, we didn't really know about it. The fact I also read that it's got a, an increasing emphasis on medical technology, which mm. aligns with what we, you know, when you broke that story about New Zealand and they announced that they joined this international collaboration at a medical device but conference. Then they unannounced it. Then they unannounced <laughs> it. But the issue is, again, I, I get very concerned about this because a lot of your readership and your listeners are in the pharmaceutical sector. And once again, what pharmaceutical sector does or doesn't do, and sometimes their apathy of us letting things happen, is going to have massive impact for the medical device sector as well. So I, I'm very concerned about that. I mean, I, I mentioned that NDSS tender. I mean, there's a tender coming out for CGM here in Australia. There's one imminent in apparently or already happening in New Zealand. I mean, what's going – that would terrify me. And it's – in principle, a collaboration on HTA is not necessarily a bad thing, but the secrecy makes it very suspicious. This is the thing that you can't trust. We get this secrecy and then we get these sort of oddly, obtusely worded statements from NICE saying, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we're doing this now. We're, we're tr- in order for us to do a joint assessment, we've got to do more work on aligning what we do. Mm. What the hell? I mean, we, we actually have a right to know and the secrecy and the stage management of the information should be alarming to people. And that's, that's, and, and that's a consistent issue we've had with the system. And now we're going, presumably, we're going into another secret process mm. where people will be invited in and pushed out as it suits the government. And it's a period of instability. And unfortunately, this is where we're at now. I agree. And the, the HTA international collaboration really jumps out at me when you consider that there were literally thousands of people in Adelaide for five days to globally talk about HT and what everyone was doing. And everyone wanted to share everything except this. This was locked <laughs> away in a room and I had someone tell me a funny story on the phone the other day that someone accidentally walked into the room and it was like, you know, the Stasi police showed up to escort them out because they walked into the wrong room. That's not how you run a public health system. And the collaboration here is all through public health providers. This is not a collaboration with predominantly private health systems around the world. Can we make public health public, please? Can you stop excluding everybody? The transparency, like you reported, the agendas that are coming out from this HTA review after the meeting. <laughs> it's, it's just stupid. We've got to all stop accepting that this is the only way to achieve reform and progress in this area of health. You, you don't get these same experiences in state health systems. You just don't. There's something going on with the way that we do health federally 
I think you know you've talked about the capability review. We've got the consult, you know, the new matrices for consultation with consumers. Can we really stop and think before you all go down these new closed doors and lock us out? Can you can you think about what it's supposed to be? Yeah, we have a command and control mindset in policy in 2023, and and that is bad enough. It is made far worse when stakeholder groups model that behaviour, and we see a lot of that now. And I think we should end on expressing our joint concern that another secret process, patients are, are, are about to be impacted by yet another secret process, a process that does not need to be secret and historically has not been secret. No. But but now we're drowning in NDAs. I mean, you, you, if you haven't got an NDA, well, you just know one these days. And on that note, you're calling me a nobody. Okay. <laughs> I just – I it, it worries me. I don't think it's a way, and I don't know how many times people have to see it ending badly before they start to really push back against it. I mean, your interlocutor was found in a capability review to basically be incapable of, of delivering for government. So I don't know how that is going to be helped by secret processes. But Well, I promise that Better Access Australia will make our budget submission with some wonderful ideas for savings from the PBS. Um publicly available for everyone to comment on. Thank you. And thanks, everyone. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Bye.